hey, do you want to come over and make a pot of tea, bring your favorite crystals? You know, we could talk about our birth charts, spirits, the latest house bells we've been doing. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm that witch next door. Hello, 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 my friend. Welcome, neighbor, to the neighborhood. I'm Danny. I'm that witch next door. And I am so excited that you're here. If this is your first time uh, over here at That Witch Podcast, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. And if this is not your first time and you are a regular attender of the neighborhood around here, welcome back. I love having you here. It's great to have your energy here with us today. I am very excited because this mini-sode, this little answer to a question, this might be a teensy bit longer than what I would intend a mini-sode to be, which is under 20 minutes, but I'm going to shoot for around that mark still. This is an interesting one because, first of all, I get asked this question all the time, all the time. Second of all, it requires such a special answer. It is not nearly as simple as you might think that it is, especially if you don't know what shadow work is or you're still learning really what that is and what that means. If you do know what that is, if you're already a practicer a practicer of shadow work, then you probably know, oh yeah, it is kind of hard to describe this work in a, in a really concrete way where, where we have people that want to know some steps, really what you can do to get started. Where does a beginner begin in this work? And um, honestly, by just diving right in, I'll tell you that. But I, I'm going to do my best to keep this kind of short, to keep this a mini sewed, but I also want this to still be very, very helpful. Now, if you are a, a previous listener or a longtime listener, you very likely remember that I actually did a episode call or an episode called how to get started in shadow work in uh, 2022, I believe. I believe it was right after the launch of that witch school, a couple of my students um, that had just joined the school at the time asked me about it. And I I did my first episode on it. What's cool is that I've done episode re-releases before here on the show where I've taken like an old, really popular episode and just fresh, straight re-released it. But I wanted to fresh re-record this. And this idea came to me I believe it was you, Allie, if you're listening, um, who had reached out about a cleansing episode. It might be a good idea to do another episode on cleansing basics for the neighborhood. That episode is also coming. You really inspired me. I was like, what if we kind of um, do a re-record? And I'm sure all of you Swifties out there are like, that's what Taylor Swift is doing. (laughs) Re-recording all of her her songs. Um, I I thought it would be such a good idea to, to do some fresh recordings on some of those basics, some of those earliest episodes, the fundamentals of magic, um, because new information is always coming up. Uh, I, as a growing and evolving human, there's always new ways that I have about explaining information or based on any new experiences I've been through, I can be even more helpful or offer some different insight. 
So we're going to start by talking about how do you get started practicing shadow work? What is shadow work and how the hell do you even get started in this practice? First and foremost, um, by the way, I'm going to link the original episode every time I do this in the comments or in the show notes below. So feel free to go back and re-listen to that or if you've never listened to it before, there you go. I, I think that one of the most helpful places to start that I would, I turn everyone to, and if you know me, you know, this is a classic move of mine is I turn around. I'm like, here, here's a thing for you to research. And I know that that's probably frustrating. I know that people are like, you are what I'm trying, you're where I'm trying to get research. But a good teacher, in my opinion, helps guide you on your own unique learning journey and and gives you a balance of information that they give you, but also encourages you to find information on your own out there because that's really what is going to shape your unique understanding, especially of a practice like shadow work. And it really has a formlessness to it. It does not have a specific shape. Maybe it does for certain people, but it's going to be different for everybody. I, first step, first tip I always give everybody is I highly, highly recommend doing some research, go online, Google, shadow work and Carl Jung, or the shadow and Carl Jung, or shadow integration and Jung, like whatever that is. Um, Carl Jung is spelled Carl, C-A-R-L. And then his last name is J-U-N-G. And he was a very, very famous uh, therapist, psychologist, but also astrologer, um, dare I say occultist, potentially. Um, There are all kinds of, there's all kinds of information out there on Carl Jung Everyone has all kinds of opinions on them. And a lot of people say to me, Danny, that's why I ask you because I go out there and I find all of these things. Yes. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of you who say that to me are earth placements. And you you really want like a definitive answer, but a formless concept like shadow work, does not have a definitive answer. And I actually think it's valuable to read through the different perspectives on Jung himself, his work, shadow integration, what the, what he defined the shadow as, how we have interpreted this, and now we use this information. This is going to help shape your understanding of it. And therefore significantly, significantly increase your effectiveness in this work. If you try to integrate a practice like shadow work in a step-by-step formula way, you are going to really, really, really limit everything you can and are meant to get from this practice. I do, however, believe that there is lots of benefit and value to be gained from having some guidance, however, in this arena. 
so that you kind of know what you might find while you're while you're doing your research out there and while you're trying out different forms of shadow work. So, what is the shadow? Our shadows are the parts of ourselves that we hide, avoid, and cover up. So some of us refer to this as a shadow self that encompasses all of these shadows or all of these parts. Some of us refer to this as we just have lots of shadows and they don't necessarily say we have a shadow. I think that both ways of looking at it are actually very helpful. And I especially think the reason that looking at having a shadow self is really important or really helpful is because if you are somebody that is interested in um, like spirit work and spirit communication or death work and death witchcraft and death magic, you need to start learning about shadows and shadow figures in general because you're going to come across it in th- in that path and you need to learn as early on as possible that shadow does not automatically equal this evil malicious entity set forth to harm or kill human beings which is if you I hope I made it stereotypical enough which is gotten we get that from the media in Hollywood particularly <laughs> um shadows most often shadow beings and shadow figures are are parts of the unconscious and the way that we can perceive them are in the form of shadows okay And when we think about this and we combine it with this concept of, okay, if the shadow are these parts of ourselves, we hide, avoid, and cover up. If we know that we have an ethereal body and an astral body and a soul body and our physical earth body, and now we're talking about potentially having a shadow body, don't you think that then it would make sense that some people who are visually sensitive to energies even if they're not very educated in it, if you're just, if you're visually sensitive, it's also called being clairvoyant. If you're visually sensitive to energies and you've potentially seen shadow figures as a child or a teenager or an adult, it would make sense, huh, I might have been perceiving other people's shadows. I also believe that it's possible to perceive one's shadow of a person that has passed on a spirit's shadow as well. But that's for another episode coming soon. So first we're taking in shadows are the parts of ourselves we hide, avoid, and cover up. And we are accepting that we either can refer to this or visualize this as kind of a collection of shadows that we have in our psyche and our unconscious, in our ether, or we can see that all of our shadows kind of get combined and form into a shadow self. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to you, but in general, like there's not a right or wrong answer. That's what doesn't matter. Where do they come from is probably the next most important question. Well, a lot of people make the mistake of automatically associating shadow is equal to trauma. And this is actually a little bit, it's just unspecific unspecific enough to be borderlining into incorrect. Um, Shadows can be from trauma. Absolutely. 
but that does not make up the entire inventory of shadows. It doesn't make up the entire inventory of the shadow self. They can be from trauma, but they can also just be from negative experiences and how we perceived them. They can be related to how we were raised, how somebody else responded to an experience that we had, especially at an age where we were forming our sense of self. And this is why inner child work and childhood is so closely related to and often hand in hand talked about when we're talking about shadow work. But this is also another misconception or area of misunderstanding where people think all of our shadows form in and from childhood and therefore all you have to do is inner child work. But that's not true. They, all these all of these examples I'm talking about can be from trauma, can be from negative experiences, how we perceived them, how we perceived how other people were perceiving those experiences around us, um, the different generations that we are born in and a part of the generations we're raised by, the generations we're raising. All of these examples, yes, some of them are rooted in our childhood, but plenty of them are rooted in our recent past or even in our present. We can form and do form shadows or add on to our shadow self, however you view it, at any time. It's an open playing field, my friend. So, It's a misconception to think all shadows are trauma. All shadows are trauma from childhood. Plenty are, don't get me wrong. But where you're going to address a lot of those specifically, like in your chart, for example, is going to be Chiron. This placement that this asteroid that in your chart that represents specifically trauma beyond your control that you experience in this life from childhood throughout your life. But the shadow, we see the shadow in all placements of the chart. It's if if you're new to astrology but maybe you're more comfortable with something like tarot, this will help you understand. Just like in tarot, there there is no one card associated with the shadow or shadow qualities. There is a shadow to every single archetype in that card. And the same goes for astrology when we're looking at astrological archetypes in the chart as well. Shadows are everywhere. Because shadow in and of itself is a concept that we as humans have because we need contrast to make sense of our world. The polarity of light and dark is very, very, very important for us to build perspective, how we process our experiences here on earth. So there is a shadow to everything, to everything. This is why it's inaccurate to say that all shadow figures, all shadows, all of them are bad. It's too broad to say that. That's why it's inaccurate. Sure, some of them, I guess you could fall under the category of bad. But some of our shadows are actually very good qualities about ourselves. But because the way that those qualities were perceived and responded to during a specific or series of experiences in our life, 
we build shame, fear, and insecurity around that particular trait or attribute that we have. And we shove it down deep inside or we avoid it or we try and cover it up and we keep it in the shadows. The way shadows manifest and the way that Jung described and explained the way that shadows behave is that they lashed out and they were our projections. Another term for this that would be accurate are our triggers. Our triggers are manifestations of our shadows. And the way we view this, especially in the, in the spiritual community, in the witchcraft community, is that these are the shadows' only way of communicating. They don't know any better. And they lash out and project out or trigger us with extremely uncomfortable or very difficult emotions. Because deep, deep down, they are begging to be seen, <coughs> heard, validated, accepted, and ultimately integrated. It's, it is the, the projections, the triggers, the coping mechanisms, the habits and those choices and thought patterns that we have that typically maintain or grow the shame that surrounds them. So because we went through these negative experiences or again, the way that we perceived the experience and how, and how it was responded to around us, or it might just be straight up traumatic events. It was just straight up trauma. It didn't matter how you looked at it. It was, it was just trauma through and through. In order to survive, we had to redact, cover up, avoid, or move away from a certain part of ourselves to survive in that moment. And what our brain does, what our psyche does, and our energy does, and how these shadows are formed is they, they stay in this locked, tight, shadowy place with the intention of protecting us, protecting ourselves. It's based on survival. And these, these habits, these patterns, these reactions that we have to certain things that are our projections of our shadows, even though on the conscious layer, what we're doing is, is self-sabotage and keeping those shadows as shadows. <clears throat> deep, deep down the reason for the lash out or the projection is actually a deep inner cry for help. Bring me out into the light. Bring me out so you can see me for what I am and accept me. This is my description of the self-sabotage journey. And so shadow work those are just shadows and how they behave and move and what, you know, and one of the main ways they show up, like in self-sabotage. 
This means that what shadow work is, when we talk about it as witches, as spiritualists, shadow work is the process of facing your shadows and integrating them for whole, true self-actualization and acceptance. There is no one way to get started. There is no step-by-step guide that you can follow because our experiences, the order in which they happened, how they went down, how people around us responded to it, how we responded to it, the way that that shadow formed, the way our projections even happen, all of those things are totally unique to one another. You know, we're going to have some common ground. We're going to have some things in common with some other people. But overall, if you zoom out and look at the shadow experience as a whole, it's as unique as a fingerprint. This is why there's no true step-by-step guide and why technically my answer for this question at the end of the day is you just got to dive right in. There are numerous forms of shadow work and the most helpful advice I can give you is teach you as much as I can about how I understand the shadow, how it formed, why it behaves the way that it does, what it deep down is asking for allowing you to form your own understanding of that formless concept and then giving you a series of examples of how you can process through and work with your shadows ultimately to integrate them. That's why that's the most effective way I can help you. After my last episode that I did on this a couple of years ago, um, it was so funny because I had a couple people that were like, yeah, I listened to the episode. It was good, but I still don't know how to get started. Because again, it's very hard for us. We want this this formless concept to take shape and form, but you have to be the one to form it. Nobody can form it for you. There are guides out there like journal prompts and programs that get you to do introspective work. But even so, still, the way you move through that is going to be totally and completely unique to you. We often think that shadow work is very exclusive and specific to witchcraft. But I I want you to open up and realize that even things like therapy, recovery, introspective work, self-development. All of these are types of practices that fall under the category of shadow work. You can bring your witchcraft into practices like that by incorporating certain colors, crystals, symbols, whether that's literally sigils and drawing symbols in your journal or wearing the picture or having a picture of a certain animal or, or having a certain color in the room with you when you're, when you're doing work like this. Like you can bring the magic into it. But I would be very willing to bet that especially if you're brand new to witchcraft, you've probably already done shadow work. That's why I want to open your mind to what it is because you're probably already doing it. And now you can put even more intention into it. And that's where you start bringing your witchcraft into it. Um, Essentially, what you need to do is you need to find safe ways to bring up and face your shadows. 
Shadow work is processing through your emotions, processing through your experiences past and present, processing through your fears and insecurities and triggers, and really examining your coping mechanisms, why you have them, and what are they actually doing for you. There's, there are, are, because of everything I just listed, there are so many ways you can do that. There's so many ways our beautiful, magical, incredible brains can process through information like all of that. Um, you can journal through shadow work prompts. So one of my, one of my neighbors that reached out to me, um, you were one of, man, a handful of people of you recently asked about shadow work um, for a couple of reasons, but especially because Ashley and I had talked about it in um, in specific during our Capricorn New Moon episode. And I, I um, wanted to also say to that neighbor, like, absolutely, if you find a journal, a shadow work journal online, and especially if you can see any example or, or description of like the kind of the prompts or the structure of it inside, and if it feels really, really good for you, and like, it's, it's gonna help you dig up and process through helpful things for you in a safe way, hell yeah, go for it. Awesome. It will probably be hopefully even more uh, informative to go into that practice now, knowing a little bit more about what the shadow is, how it operates, why we do all of this work in the first place. Um, so journaling is a huge part of shadow work. It is a huge, huge shadow work practice. Um, but meeting with your therapist, talking to your sponsor, talking through your experiences with a close friend, participating in a, in a support group, all of these things are examples of activities that help you safely reflect on painful or difficult experiences and move responsibly through the varying waves of emotions throughout all of that processing. Therefore, ergo, my friend, those are all forms of shadow work. Now, let me answer this. What's on the other side of shadow work? Well, first of all, don't look at this process as linear because it is not, and it is most certainly not a one and done practice. This is a cyclical practice. It's something that we, as we are always evolving beings, move through at different stages in our life. But when we move through stages and chapters of shadow work, when we when we open up on the other side of those times, well, we can experience a stronger sense of self. Trust in your soul journey. Trust in the universe. Healthier coping mechanisms. A growing sense of security. And the understanding, finally, why shadow work is not linear, why it's not a one-and-done practice. Once you start moving through it, the more you let this formless practice take its unique shape for you, you'll see why it's something you do throughout your life and throughout your practice. It will come up and it will need to be done. And your triggers and your projections are what are the indicators of that. When you're feeling particularly reactive, when you're feeling particularly emotionally responsive to something, when you're feeling particularly judgmental, jealous, envious, when you're feeling particularly aggressive 
or fearful or insecure, if you're feeling particularly confused and lost constantly, all of these are indicators of a need for a shadow work chapter in your life. Some of the most basic, basic building blocks I want you to take with you as you build your own unique foundation for shadow work is don't forget your grounding, your cleansing, and your protective rituals. Don't forget to do those great grounding practices for your energy before and after getting started with shadow work, whether it's, again, any of those examples, going into a support group, meeting with your therapist, doing a big heavy journaling session, ground your energy first, cleanse your energy first, and envision a protective orb around you or bring protective talismans or crystals with you or draw a protective sigil somewhere on your body or your notebook or wherever that is on your person. And then do those things again when the session is over, whether, again, a session with your therapist or, or talking with your friend, a big vent and cry sesh that you had to do. Do your ground cleanse protect afterwards as well to close the practice and to release yourself from the shadow for a little while. Do not stay in the shadow and in your shadow work all the time. Balance this work with light work. You need to let yourself go into shadow work and let yourself come out of it. Don't stay in it all the time. This is what we would know as dwelling or consuming ourselves with our negative experiences or consuming ourselves with our pain, etc. Okay? I hope that this episode was helpful. Like I said, I still linked the original episode as I recorded it a couple of years ago in the show notes below. But I really, really, we went just a little past my mini-sode time. Well, kind of. So let me know. Let me know if this was helpful. Let me know if there's anything in here you'd like me to elaborate on. This is such an important subject and one that I'm very, very passionate about and one that I'm so excited that you are just as interested in. So thank you for joining me today, neighbor. Make sure that you stay safe out there. Let yourself have some fun. And of course, my friends, stay magical. What is that witch school? Well, it's kind of my twist on Patreon. See, for as little as $5 a month, you can get instant access to our entire back catalog of incredible bonus content, like bonus episodes, witchy lessons, a ton of astrology resources, guest teachings, and so much more. But I didn't want to just keep the magic going in between episodes with bonus content. I wanted to keep the learning going, and I wanted to keep the community going. So I also offered tiers that opened up opportunity for continued intentional, magical academic learning, as well as opportunity for creating community with like-minded witchy individuals. For just $30 a month, you can get full, complete access to everything inside that witch school, including our exclusive members-only social media platform on Mighty Networks, where right now, witches and energy practitioners and students just like you are all learning, working together, sharing together, and supporting each other week in and week out. 
We talk about the show. We share dreams that we've had. We share each other's tarot readings. And ultimately, we support each other as magical beings in a very anti-magical world. You can join us today at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash enroll to learn more and start your enrollment today.